Welcome to the Trinity Grace Church Podcast. Trinity Grace is a community helping New Yorkers embody the love of Christ for the good of our neighbors. We have two services on Sunday mornings, 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. at General Seminary in the Chapel of the Good Shepherd. We would love for you to join us. For more information, go to tgcdowntown.com. May you be filled with curiosity, grace, and peace as we listen and learn together through this sacred text. The Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise you. So before, uh, before I offer my reflection on this text, I would like to create some space for a quiet reflection. And uh, before I do that, I, I would like to sort of contextualize what we're doing this morning uh, from where we've been. So what we've been uh, on a journey as, with a church uh, as is we've been exploring our identity as a church. We've been asking the question, who are we? What makes us tick? Why do we exist? What are we trying to do? Uh, What are our core values? What are our distinctives? And week by week, we've been exploring those. Uh, This is the last week of that exploration. And then next week, we're going to unveil our new name. uh, And I'm going to sort of uh, lay out uh, what I hope our uh, vision and identity uh, to be as a church um, ongoing. Um, So that's really exciting. Uh, Where have we been in this? We've, We've explored our why is life. Uh, Jesus said, I've come that you would have life, that you'd have it to the full. Uh, Our what is love. We uh, have talked about embodying the love of Christ as the point of uh, of our our community. And it's what we try to nurture and encourage in each other. Uh, And it's what we try to do out there in our everyday lives. Um, We also uh, talked about our core values. Core values like unity, diversity, generosity. Uh, Here they are. Look at this. Uh, Curiosity and creativity. And these are values that we lean on, especially when things are hard or when things are chaotic or we can't tell up from down. This helps us to get our bearings. And we ask the question, well, what do we value here in this challenge? And how can we approach the challenges that we face together through the lens of these values? Um, We also have been talking about our distinctives, uh, distinctives like uh, we're a community that uh, considers itself biblical. uh, And we explored what that means, uh, creedal sacramental. And today we're going to explore missional. So if you missed any of this, I encourage you to go back to the podcast and take a listen. We'll also be touching on this throughout the year. Um, but these are the, the distinctive features of our community. Um, so with that said, uh, I'd like to just take a quiet moment and let's open our hearts to God and to each other and to this moment. Uh, and let's just be attentive to what God would uh, say or do in our own hearts and imaginations. Um, and we, we invite you to bring your full self to this moment. You may uh, have lots of doubt, 
lots of expectation, lots of joy, lots of sorrow. Uh, we just invite you to bring your full self to this moment and let's share it together as best as you know how, a moment of quiet. God, I thank you for this community. And we're gathered here uh, for a reason. Uh, all of us are here for some reason. And we pray that you take the reasons for our gathering, that you would weave them together, that you'd help us to feel a sense of solidarity, that we'd have a sense of collective uh, awe and wonder, that we'd have a sense of being on this journey together and having support in it. And God, we pray that you'd speak um, fresh words of beauty and inspiration into our lives as we consider this text and we consider this uh, distinctive of our community, what it means uh, to be missional. We pray that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I'd like to begin just by saying uh, to be missional means first to have a, an imagination, a certain kind of imagination. How do you imagine the whole of what God is doing in the world, and how do you imagine your part in it? Um, part of our mission statement is that we exist for the good of our neighbors. We exist to embody the love of Christ for the good of our neighbors. Um, we don't exist for ourselves as a, as a community, as a church. And the church with a capital C doesn't exist for itself. Um, a lot of times we treat church like that, though. We, we come and we gather uh, to get a particular need met. Uh, we come with a sense, almost in the lens of our, our era, we come with the lens of a consumer. And we look to the church as a sort of dispenser of religious goods and services, and we come to consume them. And what we want to say with this distinctive is that we, we outright reject that basic imagination. Um, and it doesn't mean that we don't have needs or that those needs don't get met. It doesn't mean... Uh, that we don't come to each other looking to help each other. Uh, it doesn't mean that we as a church aren't looking to serve you and assist you on your spiritual journey. It just means that the center point of our church, the energy of our church, is not centripetal, it's centrifugal. It, it's, it's not pulling us in, it's, it's pushing us out. Um, I had a friend who once said this, and I think it's very helpful. He said, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. The church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church, which is a way of saying we can think of a church as, uh, as having one little slice of what we do be mission, and then everything else is about other stuff. And I think a missional imagination looks at the world, looks at life, and says God is up to something in the world. There's this beautiful activity at work in the world of love, of invitation, of reconciliation, of forgiveness, of peace, this beautiful activity that God is doing all around us at all times, at all places, in all human beings, God is at work. And what we do as a community is we're simply joining up with that. We're linking up with that. And to the extent that we can link up with that as individuals as in a, com in a community, we are missional. Um, so we don't have like a department or a committee or a ministry that's mission and then everything else is for us, um, for us, what it means to be whole, what it means to be human, is to join up with what God is doing in our everyday lives. And that may seem like a small distinction to you, but it really is a sort of Copernican shift. Um, it, it helps us to think about um, the basic orientation. We're not here just to get our needs met. We're here to be made whole. 
Uh, I had another friend that talked about church's uh, missions as not to save souls, um, but, uh, I'm sorry, an emphasis on saved souls to saved holes. Ah, you see what he did there. Save souls versus save holes. That wasn't amusing to you? Okay, it's all right, tough crowd. Um, it really wasn't to me either, so I don't know why I expected it in you. But uh, it, is, it is a helpful way to talk about an emphasis. Um, for us, our mission isn't to just like save souls. Um, we are looking at the whole human. And the whole, uh-huh, yeah, not holes as in donut holes, not holes. Yes, W-H-O-L-E-S, holes. I'll make sure to get that one right in the second service. Um, but God is, is, is looking to save the whole of our lives, and God cares about the whole of our lives. God doesn't just care about that one little segment of your story that is quote-unquote spiritual. God doesn't just care about that one little uh, piece of who you are. Well, it's a big piece of who you are, but that the animating spirit, the animating force, we call it the soul or the spirit or whatever is that life force in each of us. God doesn't just care about that. God didn't just make us as souls or spirits or floating ghosts. God made us as embodied human beings. And that's why this, this value of missional pairs well with our value, our distinctive of sacramental. Because we're not brains on a stick. And we don't need to think of each other or what we're up to in the world as if we were brains on a stick. We are whole human beings. When Jesus lived Jesus' life, Jesus cared for the whole person. Um, there were people who were sick, and Jesus met their physical needs. Um, there were people who were psychologically disturbed, and Jesus met their psychological need. Uh, there were people who had social challenge. Uh, they were either ostracized or rejected from their community, treated uh, as an outsider and with ridicule and spite. And Jesus reintegrated them with their community and put out his wings, so to speak, and created a space of inclusion and welcome for them. Jesus was constantly looking at the, at the human condition and saying there, are, there is a multitude of needs here. And we want to serve and care for them so that humans can be made whole again. All salvation is, from the, the Hebrew Bible all the way through to Jesus and Jesus' life, is the full integration and reconciliation of our humanity. God is not just trying to save our souls. God is saving us whole. Um, in the future, the picture of salvation the Bible paints is a, a, a uniting of heaven and earth which is a way of talking about the realm in which God exists and is active and the, and the realm in which we experience life coming together. Um, it's not split apart. And mission is just joining up with that reconciling work. It's joining up with that integrating work. When Jesus taught us to pray and said, pray on earth as it is in heaven. You know, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he's talking about, that integration. So, um, we, we have this sense of a missional imagination at the outset. Every human has a wide range of needs that needs caring for. Every city has a wide range of needs that need caring for. But what does it mean to have missional vision? Jesus, in this text that we reflect on today, uh, does something that's pretty, pretty jarring. Um, he now takes his disciples onto a mountain and I love the way the text describes it. Some of them believed and some of them doubted. This is the resurrected Christ. And some of them are believing and some of them are doubting. Okay? Um, so I want you to imagine a community of the faithful and the doubting. 
together hearing this commission. And I like it because this is our community. We're a community of people who are faithful and uh, have lots of hope and lots of uh, trust in God. And then we have people who aren't quite sure what to make of the whole thing. Either they've been burned in their previous religious experience or this is their first meaningful religious experience and they're just trying to get their bearings. And our narrative sets us in continuity with that reality. Our narrative says that's who was at the feet of Jesus here in Jesus' great commission. And Jesus says something, uh, it begins in a very intriguing way. Jesus says, as you go. Now a lot of our translations just begin go. And, and so the way we talk about the Great Commission is, you're sitting here on your tail, right, doing nothing, and uh, you need to get up off of your tail and go out there and do something. That's the Great Commission. I grew up in a church that talked about the Great Commission that way. It began with a command, go, right? But the, the, the actual uh, grammar of this, this, this word uh, indicates um, a sense of as you are going. In other words, as you're doing life, as you're going about your normal routine, your normal habit, as you're going, do this thing. So I think that's very important. A lot of times when we think of what it means to be on mission or we think of missionaries in church world, we think of these special small class of people who have radical sense of call from God and have radical commitment and response and they go out and they do something radical in the world, usually giving up most of what we would call normal and taking on something that is heroic and different. And people still do that, and some of you may do that. That's beautiful. But what Jesus is talking about here is not just for those people. What Jesus is talking about here is for all of us. It's for every human being. Uh, this is a, is, is a, a commission that we do as we go in everyday life. The missional vision of the church isn't simply a program. You know, it's not primarily, I'm sorry, it is primarily the people. That's what Jesus was all about, and it's a people on the move. Most of you aren't gonna drop your work, your family, your responsibilities to do some radical thing. Some of you will. But sometimes in the church, we've thought of mission as something for those radical souls who give up everything, and that's why this commitment is, commission is so important. Uh, when you wake up as you go, I want you to consider the flow of your day. When you wake up and you have the day ahead on your mind, that's the space where you can join Jesus on Jesus' mission. As you make your way to work, that's the space where you can join Jesus in the mission. As you sit down at the office, or you have that meeting, or you work on that spreadsheet, or you have that sales moment. These are the moments where you can join Jesus' mission. As you take your lunch break or your coffee break, as you find a little time to get a haircut or to get your nails done, as you exercise, as you run or spin or do hot yoga or whatever you do, as you sit down to dinner with your family or your friends, or perhaps by yourself, as you play in the city and you go to ballparks and museums, concerts, plays, musicals, parks, this is the space in which you join Jesus' mission. The as-you-go approach is all about integration. It's all about connecting the dots to every part of our life and what God is up to in the world. 
If the church has a mission, and mission is just a segment of the church, we're often tempted to think of mission as just a little segment of our life. We go and we do our life, and then uh, on Sunday maybe we show up and we pitch into the mission a little bit, uh, or when we give to something, we pitch into the mission a little bit, or maybe when we work up the courage to have a conversation with someone, we're participating in the mission a little bit. And what I think we need to do, what it means to be a missional community is that we see it all as connected to what God is up to in the world. And as the church, we do our job when we equip you to integrate those things. So when it comes to integrating faith and work, when we're, to the extent that we're helping you do that, we're doing our job. Um, to the extent that we're helping you think about what faith looks like in your home, we're doing our job. Um, one of our emphasis this year, by the way, uh, in kids' ministry is faith in the household. And uh, we've been doing a lot of prep uh, for an initiative this year to kind of help our families imagine and reimagine based on, like, statistics of how families operate currently as it comes to faith. And we think of New York City and the challenges of New York City. We want to spur the imagination, incite um, sort of some activity uh, to help parents and families move forward in how they're expressing faith at home. We ask the question, what does faith look like here or there? That's what being missional is all about. Now, Jesus said, as you go, but what did Jesus say to do as you go? We get really two things here. Uh, one of them, I would imagine, you're not going to be doing much of. The other, you can do all the time. The first was baptize. Baptize. Now what is baptism? Baptism is just, it's a ritual of initiation. And it's an initiation into what? It's an initiation into this universal, unconditional love of God that forms a community with no cultural boundaries, no social distinctions. It's an act that tears down the dividing wall of our imaginations. The imaginations that sort of tribalize and create uh, it dices up humanity into us versus them. Baptism teaches us that when we see humanity, we only see us because we're all created in God's image and we're all loved by God. And that's why we create breathing room in our gatherings. Um, we're, we are, in many cases, a front door and back to our church, and we've talked about this. We are many people's first church experience, meaningful, and we're many people's last stop on the way out. And the way that we do that is we create breathing room for people. Uh, we don't assume everybody in here is coming from the same place or the same background. Uh, we try, Priya Parker has, has a book, The Art of Gathering, where she says, uh, you know that the, the all white, uh, like everybody dresses in white and shows up randomly at a spot in New York for dinner, that sort of thing? I forget what it's called. Does anybody know what's that called? You can talk back. This, is, this isn't a TED talk, so. Um, I forget what it's called, but it's, it's amazing. It was in Battery Park this last year, and uh, I was just walking out with my kids uh, to get some dinner, and all of a sudden, I have Shake Shack in my hand, and this wave of people all dressed in white. I mean, people from, you could tell, from all over the city, all kinds of cultures, all ethnicities, convening, descending it by the thousands on Rockefeller Park. And within a matter of minutes, the entire park was transformed into a, a banquet with long tables that went and champagne was flowing and all kinds of food. And uh, Priya Parker says, what makes a gathering like that possible and for all kinds of people from all kinds of walks of life to come together and to navigate it is the rules are clear. Everybody knows the rules. 
And if you know the rules of a gathering, you can sort of enter into the gathering with confidence, no matter where you come from. And so one of our values as a community is to always be trying to like help people orient. Like, what are we doing now? Everything we do, we generally have a little one to two sentence summary of like, hey, this is what this is about, in case you didn't know, or in case you didn't grow up with this background, or in case you lost touch with what this is about. Um, it doesn't mean that we, uh, we turn this thing into a club, right, and just something you're super familiar with and comfortable with. No, we're here to worship God, but we try to make it accessible and hospitable. And as we worship, we remember we're not here for ourselves. That's what it means to be missional. We're not just here to, to get our, our worship fix. Uh, we are here to create space for all the people that God loves, and that's everyone. Now, along the way in our community, people explore the story and the teaching of Jesus. They decide, I'd like to be baptized. And they basically say, I'd like my heart to be open definitively to the love of God. I'd like to make a commitment to a life of unconditional love for God and for my neighbor. And it's a beautiful part of who we are. Um, but that is part of what it means to be a part of a, a, a community that does this baptizing work. We make space for the outsider, we are hospitable to the outsider, and we have this opportunity for people who are exploring and experimenting to take steps toward the love of God that we see in Jesus. And you join that mission when you show up, you join that mission when you yourself are hospitable in these spaces, you join that mission when you invite your friends and your loved ones into these spaces as you see fit. And I, and I ask you the question, like who could be joining you as you come on Sunday or you attend any part of this life, this community's life? Who could be by your side? Who in your life would be served by these experiences? Who could you go on a journey with? These are the questions that we ask when we think about what it means to be missional as a community. But Jesus didn't just leave it with baptism. Jesus said, as you go, teach them, people you encounter, teach them to practice everything I taught. Some translations say to, 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 to obey everything I commanded. And this is the essence of Jesus' mission. It, it assumes one big thing, and then it focuses our energy toward the same thing. What is the assumption? The assumption is that you yourself are working this out. That you yourself are seeking to practice the way that Jesus taught. That you yourself are wrestling with what it means to do the things that Jesus taught. The Great Commission is go into all the world, or as you go, make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I command. And I'll tell you, one of the great damages the church has done in Western culture is when it goes out to spread a message, but it's not doing what Jesus taught. It's not committed to doing what Jesus taught. Now, this doesn't mean you're doing it perfectly. The, to be missional doesn't mean you're just like acing all the spiritual tests and uh, on all the spot checks, you're like, see, I'm doing the thing. Um, what it means to be on mission is that you are authentically integrating your faith and every part of your life and you're working it through. Um, and as you work it through in your own life and as you go out there in the world, there will be moments, moments to do the things. The cool thing about doing what Jesus taught is it 
necessarily takes you outside and it necessarily takes you toward the other. Jesus taught us to love our neighbor. Jesus taught us to love our enemy. Jesus taught us to make peace. Jesus taught us to forgive. Jesus taught us to pray for our leaders. Jesus taught us to pray for our enemies. Jesus taught us so many things that, that he, Jesus taught us to care for the poor. Jesus taught us to clothe the, na- clothe the naked. Jesus taught us to visit the prisoner. Jesus taught us to go into all these spaces where we will encounter others. And so if you are trying to integrate the teaching of Jesus into your life, you will necessarily come into contact with your neighbor and meaningful contact at that. And as we are engaged in the practice of Jesus, we ourselves do certain things. Not only do we love, which is what Jesus taught, but we ourselves teach others how to practice what Jesus taught. Now, what does that look like? I would imagine if I asked all of you, do you feel ready to teach someone else how to practice what Jesus taught? Uh, I, I would imagine the level of confidence across the room would vary greatly. Like some people would feel really confident, like, yeah, uh, I, th- I know how to do that, and I do that. Others of you would be like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to do that, but it's still pretty like ethereal to me how exactly that works, and I wouldn't know exactly where to begin, and, uh, and I do my best here and there, but it's not like a, a big force in my life. And then others of you would feel totally clueless, and you'd be like, I really, I don't know. I have no idea how I would teach someone else how to practice what Jesus taught. And so what does that mean for us as a community as we think about what it means to be missional? I think as you go, not only are you trying to put this in practice, that's the first step, that you yourself are earnestly trying to integrate. And that's why we do all the things. That's why we do Wednesday nights, where we're trying to teach you practices. We debrief those practices, and we discuss them in community. Um, That's why we, on Sunday mornings, have these moments, these teaching moments, where we're casting vision for what life could look like as we follow Jesus or try to follow Jesus. Uh, That's why, uh, starting on Easter, we're going to be doing adult courses throughout the year uh, where we'll be exploring different parts of life and different subject matter where you can wrestle with and be on a, a learning journey of what it means to follow Jesus. But it's not all for us. It's so that we ourselves can benefit and be equipped to love our neighbor and practice the love of Jesus and invite others into it. So I say there's three things to focus on here. Number one, you seek to love people. That's the essence of what Jesus taught. And as you study Jesus' life and you study Jesus' teaching, he's going to be giving you nuanced instruction on how that's possible. Number two, we seek to share with people our story and our experience of that love. That doesn't have to be very, uh, uh, it doesn't have to be a TED Talk. It doesn't have to be perfect. All you're called to do is share your story and your experience of the love that you're encountering. Now, the the big caution I would give you is don't export what you're not experiencing. That's where we get into big trouble, people feeling this burden to, like, export something that they themselves are not experiencing. And that's not authentic Christian mission. Christian mission is to taste and see that God is good in whatever way that you're able to do that, and then to be able to share that with someone else. To bear witness to it, you know, in the the frame of LeBron James, we are all witnesses. We see something amazing and we want to talk about it and tell people about it. And this happens in in all kinds of ways and it's often a long play. Um, So this isn't, you know, I grew up in a a church that imagined 
the successful situation as you share your story of how you came to know God, someone's jaw drops, they decide to uh, follow Jesus themselves in the moment, and now we've been on mission. And I think it's important for us to imagine that a little differently. Sometimes crazy things happen. Sometimes wild pivots occur in our lives. And I've seen them happen myself, uh, and I've been a part of them. But for the most part, this move of God, this work of God in people's lives is a series of little steps. And you have to trust that whatever role you can play in someone's life is helping move them toward God. It might be one little comment here or one little anecdote there or one opportunity to, to share a part of your life here. And that helps someone move toward God. The last thing is we seek to teach in the model what we're learning and doing for others in our lives. So not only just sharing our stories or sharing snippets of how we're experiencing that love, but actually teaching someone how to do this thing, teaching someone how to follow Jesus. And this, this is always something a Christian should be asking. Who is in my orbit that I'm investing in? Who's in my orbit that I am, I'm actually guiding right now? Who I might be a little further along in one area or another. It doesn't mean you're a better person than them. It doesn't mean you are on some elite level. It just means you are willing to invest in another person and say, hey, here's what I've learned. Here's the wisdom I've gained. And I want to pass that on. For those of us who are parents, this begins with our children. Teaching our children what it means to grow up and to understand what Jesus taught and to try to put it into practice. For those of us who have friends, it might involve your friendships. Um, it might involve someone in this church. There'll be people who constantly are uh, like feeling their way through faith for the first time um, or maybe are de have deconstructed their faith and they're just not sure where they stand. And you've been on that journey and you're able to sit, stand with them and say, hey, here's what I learned along the way. Here's the wisdom I found. The question that we want to keep in front of us as a missional congregation is who are we investing in? Who are we sharing the wisdom that we've gained of what it means to practice the way of Jesus? I want to leave you with a story. It's a story of uh, St. Teresa uh, Martin. Uh, she's known as Teresa of Lisieux in France. And she was this little, uh, she, she actually was a very ambitious young lady who at the, at the age of 13 wanted to be a part of this like convent. And, uh, and she was too young. So she wrote a letter to the Pope and uh, the Pope gave her special permission to be a part of this convent. So she gets into the convent, and, uh, and she's a very gifted writer. So she starts writing the biographies of everybody in the community. And uh, everybody's like loving her vigor and her energy. Um, but inside, she had this battle going on. And it was a, kind of a hurricane. And the hurricane was, she, had, she was so ambitious, she wanted to change the world. And when she read stories like Joan of Arc, she read stories of the great martyrs. She thought, I could never, I'm not in a social location or position where I'll be able to do something as great as that. I'll never be able to give my life for the cause that I love and believe in. I'll never be able to make as great a sacrifice as that. She really wrestled with that because she wanted her life to matter. And so she was wrestling with this and finally it kind of came to a head in a moment where she, had, she was reflecting on this image of the church. 
that Paul gives us, where he says we're a body. Some people are the eyes, and some people are the hands, and some people are the feet or the head or whatever. And she started to reflect on that. She started to reflect on her role, and she said, maybe I can't be, you know, the, the eyes, like the visionary leader that, like, spin, guides the community toward a, a preferred future. Maybe I can't be the hands and the feet that are out there in the far stretches of the world that are difficult and remote and challenging, but maybe I can be the heart. And she started to reflect on what it means to be the heart of Christ. And for her, she, developed, she started to develop this thing known as the little way. And for her, this was a way to do little things with great love. Little things with great love. In her journal, a couple things like started to emerge. And uh, by the way, she was not recognized as great in her time. But afterwards, as the sisters began to tell her story and her journals got circulated, the, the, the church started to recognize this was profound. Mother Teresa took her name after her. Dorothy Day uh, says her greatest inspiration was St. Teresa. And what happened for her is she started in these little moments to, to, to reframe challenges. So, for instance, in the convent, she noticed that some of the nuns were kind of popular and others were very awkward and not, didn't, people didn't pay attention to them. And so on, during the recreation time, she would gravitate intentionally to the ones who were ignored and just smile and be with them. And, and she, she journals about the struggle to do that, how counterintuitive it was, how her natural inclination was to gravitate toward people that she was like, that she enjoyed, whose company was just gave something to her. And then she felt like she was pouring herself out at first until she discovered the gift of these sisters, these sisters who you know, were on the surface looked awkward and all of a sudden they started filling her life with joy. She had this other instance where she would show up to this meeting and one of the sisters had this very bad habit of just like making a ticking noise the whole time. And she said, uh, my temptation was to just turn around and give them a face. Like, what are you doing? And I'm just like, yeah, that, that's, I do that. I was on an airplane reading the story, and someone was annoying. I, I had given them several faces. So I felt bad, but I also was like, is this realistic? I don't know. She, she said she resisted the temptation to just turn around and give the person a scowl. So instead, she first tried to ignore it. She said it was impossible. So because she, she couldn't ignore it, she tried to imagine this as a kind of music, a music that she could offer God. And I know, it's kind of weird, but in this process, she like, she like closes her eyes and she takes this annoying sound and her imagination channels it into a song that she offers to God. Now, I'm going to say that's one of the more far out examples of her life. But I'm just giving you ways in which she sort of like starts to integrate these little moments with great love. Now, I think of our lives in New York, and I think the little way is one of the most beautiful opportunities that we have. Because in New York, our margin is so, um, it's so thin. You know, our lives are so full with our work, because that's usually what brings us here. And then you start adding other things to it, and our margin just gets thinner and thinner and thinner. And if you're missional, you learn to integrate everything. Every little moment, you can infuse it with great love. And part of what it means to be missional is just to take those moments, those tender moments, and to open yourself to God and say, what does great love look like here? What does great love look like as I'm navigating work 
in the course of my day? What does great love look like as I'm on my commute? How does, what does great love look like as I'm walking through the streets of the city and I'm encountering need here and there? What does great love look like when I come home from a long day to people who I have something I need, I have responsibility for? What does great love look like in the little moments? I think that's one of the powerful first steps of what it means to be missional. And today, when I say we're missional, I know a lot of you are like, I don't know if I'm missional. (laughs) And that's okay. As a distinctive as a community, we're always encouraging each other and nurturing that in our lives. And so I invite you simply to reflect on how are you joining God's mission in the world? How are you joining up and linking up with it? What does that look like in the little moments of your life? And maybe start there. I think if we invest in the little things, we will see great things. There's no such thing as seeing a great thing in the kingdom of God without investment in the little things. And that's why I think Jesus taught us, if you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. So may God give us the grace and the imagination to be faithful with the little things so that collectively we can have a great impact. Amen. Would you stand with me? As we stand together, uh, we, we reflect on how God is speaking to us in this. Maybe just 15 seconds of quiet to ask the question, <clears throat> how is God guiding me as I reflect on this, this topic? How is God guiding me as I reflect on these, this invitation of Jesus? God, we ask you to empower our community by your spirit to live lives of great love in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Grace Church podcast. Trinity Grace is an interdenominational church centered around the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Our church is theologically rooted in the Apostles and Nicene Creeds but we welcome people of any or no religious backgrounds to participate in our community. If you'd like to support us, please text TGC Downtown to 77977. That's TGC Downtown to 77977. Or visit our website, tgcdowntown.com. Thank you for listening. bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you. And may you be filled with peace, hope, and love.